Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mets fans, welcome to episode 193 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I am Brian Salvatore, and I will be your host through this week's episode. Uh, hope you all had a nice holiday weekend. We in Metsville certainly did with a four-game sweep of the Cubs, although this week has tempered that a little bit, but we'll get into all of that in just a minute. First, I want to talk with my friend Chris McShane about the last week in Metsdom. So take it away, yesterday's versions of Brian and Chris. Well, Chris, we are recording on Wednesday evening. The Mets have just won six of their last seven games, including a four-game sweep of the Cubs, arguably the best team in baseball. Uh, The Mets have looked pretty good over these seven games, which is a far cry from where we were just one week ago when we recorded our last segment together where the sky appeared to be falling considerably. Um, obviously, we tried to temper our misery last week. We're going to try and temper our enthusiasm this week. But how are you feeling overall about the state of the Mets as we stand after a 6-1 and after a six and one, uh, week? Uh, overall, pretty good. I'm, I'm having 
I have a hard time tempering the good emotions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. But but yeah, it, it's sort of been it, it couldn't have been a better time for it and it couldn't have been a more sort of emphatic turnaround. You know, it, it was just coming out of a series where everybody felt terrible, go and beat the team that had the best record in baseball. Uh, you know, there was there was the comeback win, a route a close game that they win and then, and then super another, route. An, another route. Right. Yeah. yeah it just, you know, so it couldn't have come at a better time and they're doing it against a, a tough team. So it's just, it's one of those things, you know, they, they get swept by the Braves, uh, not that long ago and they sweep the Cubs and it's just the sort of things that can happen. You know, I think one of the things that people tend to fall into is worrying or getting excited about what the schedule looks like. Yeah, because you never know. And right, and baseball just never plays out that easily. When you think about it, the Mets. The, well, last year the Mets were excellent at beating up on the less than great teams. They seemed to always come away with a series win when they were playing the Braves or the Phillies or the Rockies or whoever it was they were playing that wasn't a particularly good team last year. This year they've kind of gotten beat up by some of those teams. You know, right. and uh, I mean, you know, we we were talking last week, and I jokingly said the next time we talk, hopefully they'll have swept the Cubs. Never thinking they'd actually sweep the Cubs. <laughs> that seemed that seemed like like a really bizarre thing to to, to think about. But but here we are. Uh, was there anything in particular about their play over the last week that has you encouraged? Ah. Uh... I think at some point during this that series and and also in the series against the Marlins since, but you know just over this last week where they've been really good, uh, I think it's been the balance of it, right? So I've been somebody who's been like, ugh, like Gary, Keith, and Ron are talking about runners in scoring position again. What a, like what a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's just something they've harped on all year when home runs aren't the problem and weren't the problem really it was just that they weren't hitting overall and you had a lot of guys who you know weren't great getting more playing time than they should um you know no offense to ty kelly or eric campbell (laughs) and as i think kate feldman was the one who who uh filled us in and we referenced it a few weeks ago the silicon valley reference rigby was the acronym so you know, no offense to those guys, but they're not—they're not Kelly Johnson, you know. And I know people are underwhelmed when he came back, but they're not Kelly Johnson, who's been like a better hitter than Cespedes since he came back to the Mets, uh, which is insane. But, but yeah, it—it's—it's it, it's a situation where you have guys like that who belong in the majors, uh, and it's just sort of started to come together. So you have home runs, which are my preferred way of scoring, but you've also had singles and doubles and some hits with runners in scoring position. And, you know, the Mets stats with, with that situation were so bad that it's not surprising at all that they would just sort of normalize a little bit. And I think we're seeing that happen. So my overall point here is that Gary Cohen can be happy. And I can be happy. You know, they can do both things at the same time. And that's what they've been doing recently. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I concur completely. 
I think it's been really fun to watch the team hit, which sounds so simplistic, but for a team that was not hitting for a good month, just to see them string together a few hits, and I mean, we, we were both at the game on Sunday, and you know, to see five home runs, right? I mean, that 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 that's first of all, I have a four year old daughter who's obsessed with the home run apple. And we took it to our first game last year, and they hit three home runs in that game. And I was like, oh, enjoy this now, kid, because this isn't going to happen again. Took it to our second game, and they hit five home runs. So, I uh, I think this has come up on the podcast before, but I, I credit that to being part of the reason I'm a Mets fan. I remember, I remember the Apple going up when I was four and a half, almost five years old, at my first major league game because Daryl Strawberry hit a home run. So there's there's some value in the apple. Yeah, I, I I think so. But it's been it's been great watching them hit. And you know, I also think that while the Mets pitching staff is extraordinary, it's nice to see them. Like like in for instance, in today's game, Jacob Degrom looked good. He didn't look great. He looked good, and he didn't. He he pushed through a, a, a not perfect start and still got the win. And I think we were so spoiled by those by like Cindergard's Sunday performance, right? Right. One run over seven innings with a bunch of strikeouts and a double. Like We're right. used to that. It's nice to see them fighting a little bit. It's nice to see them coming back. I mean, they came back twice this week from reasonably large deficits, especially Monday. I mean, Monday, you know, I was having folks over for the fourth. I checked my phone, and it was 6 nothing Marlins. And I thought, oh, well, there goes the streak. And I checked a few minutes later, and it was 6-6. Six, six. You yeah. know, it's just it, it was it's really nice to see the team with some fight back. And I, and I hate that expression because that makes me sound like somebody who doesn't put stock in statistics and in, you know, things regressing to the mean and all that. But it's just nice. It seems like there's been a change in the last week or so where there just isn't this. Like for the last four or five years before last season, if the Mets were down 3 nothing, you didn't believe they could win the game. Right. And that late last year and then this year. And I, I to your point, I think I wrote that in one of the recaps during this good stretch mm-hmm. was just sort of that feeling the feeling that they weren't out of it. And that was something that you felt in 2006 and even during the regular seasons of 2007 and 8, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, just that that it was good enough, that there was good enough offense there that the game wasn't over. And right. it's been nice to experience that now. You know, the comeback win against the Cubs was was surprising and then to come back from six nothing uh and and win the way they did and that game you know it was it was one of those games that like we had fourth of july commitments as well and you know i saw part of it on tv i listened to part of it on the radio i followed the end of it on game day uh on on the bet app which i guess i'm giving it a plug but it's really good (laughs) it Uh, is it is well worth your three dollars a month whatever it is but it's uh, to me uh Baseball translates so well to the different ways of experiencing it. Whether oh, absolutely, it's yeah. Television, radio, the app, or being there in person. That games that you that you do that during are kind of fun. That you're like, oh, okay, I saw you know, I saw part of it. I listened to part of it. You know, and you, it, it creates a, sort of a memorable moment. So Howie made a couple calls during that game that were just. A plus 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 Howie Rose calls. Yeah. Do you, you remember know, my- that game? It was I think in 06. It must have been 06 where Beltran won it in the is it the 15th with a walk-off home run? 
Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. I remember where I was. Well, so do I because I had a friend in town <laughs> who used to live in Jersey and had moved away and wanted to hit up a diner in the middle of the night, and I was del- I was like stalling because the game was still on, and eventually I relented and we went to the diner and they I I asked the diner like waiter to put the game on the TV instead of CNN or whatever it was and I watched that in the diner. <laughs> so you know, again, changing venues sometimes is a really fun way to watch a baseball game. Yeah. I agree. Um, you know, it just n- n- not to, to tamper that feeling too much, but then you have a game like last night where I felt like once Stanton hit that second home run, I did feel that, oh, they can't come back from this feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it Maybe was, that's on me. I don't know. No, but that's reasonable. I mean, it, it was such a big swing late in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those situations where – you know, we, you always have to give the caveat that, oh, we don't know all the details and we don't know which pitcher was feeling what and whatever. But it's one of those spots where the standard is that the late inning reliever doesn't come in when his team is down by one run, which is a really high leverage spot. Right. And that was the case last night. And there's no guarantee that Addison Reed would have gotten out of that. But we, we know what happened once Eric Goodell got down. 3-0 in the count. Yeah. You know, so that that was frustrating. Um You know, that it was just such a weird game overall. It really was. You know, you had the Reyes comes back and everything that's tied up with that and then, you know, Stanton is himself. Um you know, I mean he he the home runs he hit in the series. There was one he hit a few years ago that I was at a game where I was like, if if that hit somebody in the Party City deck, they would have had to go to the hospital. Yeah. Because it was just, the, I don't think it ever got more than 20 feet off the ground, and it just, it was a laser beam that went into that area. Are you as extreme as I am at this point, where you don't want them to ever pitch to him again? Uh, I guess it depends on the context. He So I think the difference between being 31 and being, I don't know, 18, mm-hmm. is that I don't hate Giancarlo Stanton and I don't hate Bryce Harper. Oh, no, no. I, I think they're you know? excellent ball players. Yeah, I, I enjoy right, watching no, them play. Right, no, it's just it's, it's that it, there's a little bit of maturity that just happens with time. You know, like when I was younger, like Chase Utley and Ryan Howard were, were the worst and chase Utley still is the worst yes he is i was just gonna say that <laughs> don't, don't, don't get me wrong you can still hate guys when you get older but <laughs> guys who haven't said or done anything that's offensive to the mets as a team or their fans or whatever there, there's a little more admiration there so i don't mind stanton doing things like that when i'm there in person as long as they don't have a significant impact on the game like let, let's take yesterday and today just as a small case study. When the Mets gave up their four home runs to Stanton in two games, at at the time they never had more than a was it a three run lead today was the biggest lead? Uh yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, the the second one I'll forgive a little bit. The first one even I'll forgive a little bit today, but both of the ones yesterday Stanton's the only guy in that lineup that really scares me. And it just seemed to me like they were uh, 
they don't treat him with enough. It's the same thing with Freddie Freeman on the Braves. Like there are other guys in those lineups that can hit, but there's no one in those lineups that scare me the way those guys do. Right, and I think and I, in tight games you gotta just you gotta you gotta pitch around those guys. Yeah, and I'm I'm not one to strongly buy into lineup protection, mm-hmm. but Marcelo Zuna is hitting ahead of Stanton. Right, and he's the only other guy. Like I understand they have other guys who can have good at bats and whatever you know whatever they do, fine. But Ozuna is the only other guy who to me is is scary in any way. So yeah, it, it, in situations that matter, it would be nice if they stopped pitching to Stanton. And with the Braves' 2016 roster, I would walk Freddie Freeman. I think every time, unless the bases were loaded, I wouldn't force him to run. Right, you wouldn't Barry Bonds 2002 him. Right, but I would. There, there's nobody else on that roster. Like, sure, Nick Markakis, whatever. I mean, he's usually ahead of him as well. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Those yeah. two guys. Uh, they're pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's let's get to our email. Uh, you can email the show at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. We got one email from David this week. He said, hello, fellas. Believe it or not, it's time to talk about Travis. I'm going to mispronounce his name. I'm so bad with names. Uh, Tyrone. Tyrone. That's the official pronoun- pronunciation. We know that. It is, yes. Travis Tyrone. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Uh, no problem. Wait, don't laugh. I hear he'll K in 40 to 50% of his at-bats if you were promoted, but is that really the case? All he's done is run one of the highest OPSs in the PCL, that's the Pacific Coast League, over the last two years. The BABIP is high, but he's always had a high BABIP, and he's a doubles machine, so he's not dinking and dunking the ball. Do we need a comp here? Okay. The Giants have recently been playing the 27-year-old outfit of the Jarrett Parker, who was very comparable to Tyrone. Parker posted a 23.5% K rate, a 12.3% walk rate, and a 137 weighted runs created in the PCL in 2015, compared to Tyrone's 30% K rate and 13.6% walk rate and 147 weighted runs created. Parker currently owning, sorry, Parker is currently only King 26% of the time for the Giants, the 90 at bats, and is hitting 276, 380, my point in question here is, why do we always say if a guy is doing X in AAA, it automatically means Y will happen in the majors? Sometimes these supposed quad A guys really can help a team. And while you're giving regular bats to Deaza, although probably not for long, with one of the worst offenses of baseball, what is there to lose? Don't the Mets owe it to Travis Tyrone and themselves to give this guy a look? Well... I think our answer would have been different on Thursday of last week <laughs> than it is today. Um, but I'm... Guys, the PCL is a really good place to hit. It's a really good place to hit. And... I don't know. To to me, a strikeout rate at that level... Sorry, at that rate at AAA doesn't mean he's going to necessarily be exactly the same in the majors. I, I think we see a lot of times pitchers improve quite a bit. Like, you know, I think of Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard, who looked okay in AAA, but have looked great in the majors. Hitters don't do that as much as pitchers do. And there's no way if Tyrone is striking out 30% of the time in AAA that he's going to strike out all of a sudden 10% of the time in the majors. He's always going to be a strikeout machine. 
and I don't know. Do, do, do you have any, can you give David some glimmer of hope here that we think we'll see him this year or that you think he's going to have a major league career or what? Because I'm not very optimistic on him. So I, I get the overall point. Um, but to me, well, one, um, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm a Deaza supporter, <laughs> but I might be one of the few people left who's holding out even a glimmer of hope. Uh, that he can be what he has always been in his career. Um, so there, there's that component of it, and then there's just the general, you know, even if Deaza is cut, I'd rather call Conforto back and keep Nimmo. Yep. And I, I know that leaves him a little left-handed heavy, but I'd rather go with five outfielders of those two, Cespedes, Granders, and Ligaris. And it's not, it's not even anything against Tyrone. It's just sort of a situation where those five guys would be my preferred guys. And if they're in a spot that, you know, let's say they cut Diaza at some point or, or, you know, he has a couple of good weeks and they trade him for a, you know, a middle relief guy. That seems kind of like the ideal way it plays out because even if Diaz is better, he's not really playing much. You know, he's certainly somebody they can afford to get rid of. We just hope they don't do it for nothing. So even if those five that I mentioned are the outfielders on the roster, if one of them gets hurt and you're looking at, okay, you know, who's going to come up and and get part-time playing time, uh, you know, maybe Tyrone gets himself into the conversation. But given the, the roster right now, he's seventh i guess he's seventh at best is a better way of putting it yeah especially because you know if you look at at him playing the outfield he's not going to play center field he's 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 primarily a right fielder he's played one game this year in left field and if we're going down the list of right fielders for the mets they don't need another one (laughs) you know uh nimmo conforto granderson right there you have three better options than Tyrone at at right field. Um, yeah, I just don't see a need there. I don't see him having the skills that are going to make the Mets better all of a sudden. Right, and I mean it's one of those situations where Nimmo is a guy that you're finding out what you have in him. I think Conforto, you know what you could mm-hmm. have based on what he's done. Uh, you know, Tyrone to me is the would uh, of the group. He would be the most unknown of the bunch, and he's the oldest of the bunch of those young guys. You know, right? He's twenty seven years old already. He's not going to get too much better from here. You're probably looking at a close to a peak offensive performance right now. And again, he's playing in the PCL where. You know, you and I could slug 400. <laughs> and I, I know that's a bit overselling it, but, you know, the guy the guy has a 961 OPS so far this year. That just isn't going to... That just... It's, it's not a true... It's so hard to make that AAA to majors comparison, and I'm not saying that we're experts by any means in figuring that out. But if you look at the offensive numbers for people in Las Vegas 
and the PCL in general that just doesn't translate to the majors at all. It doesn't. It's a much, much harder hitting environment in the majors, as it should be, but it's especially so because the PCL's geographic qualities. Um, yeah, I don't see it. I mean, I like the idea. Look, it doesn't hurt the Mets to have an, an extra outfielder mashing of the minors right now. You never know. You know, maybe there's a team out there that sees Tyrone as filling their need. And that's, you know, people, I, I think, and I'm guilty of this as well, people get attached to the idea of prospects because you want the prospect that you've been following for the last few years to come up and play for the Mets so you can go to their game and see, go to City Field and see him play in a game and say, I was, I remember when they drafted that guy. You know, we all like playing that game. But a big reason to have a good farm system is so that you can trade those pieces off. And uh, not that I think that people are be knocking down the Mets door for Tyrone, but it, you know, if I'm a team that needs an outfielder and I believe in the bat, I might want Tyrone over Al, uh, over Daza. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that no, that's an interesting, uh, interesting way of looking at it. I think. I don't think it's going to happen. Right. But or even if you package him with somebody else, possibly. Yeah. Right. He could be more useful in that sense than he could be to the major league Mets. Yeah. But again. I think you're going to see him stick a triple A this year. Maybe he gets called up in September. I don't necessarily think that's a shoe in. Um, especially, you know, the Alderson regime has not called up every available player in September. It's always been a smaller group coming up. So I don't, I don't know if we're going to see him, but, but we'll yeah. see. Uh, real quickly before we have to get going, today we got some bad news about Matt Harvey. He's placed on the 15 day DL. He is currently traveling to St. Louis to see Dr. Robert Thompson, who is a vascular surgeon, supposedly the best in the country. And the rumbling, which was uh, started, or not started, I guess, but sort of um, reported by Dave Lennon of Newsday, is that he might possibly be suffering from thoracic outlet syndrome, which is a, a disorder that has had a number of major league players affected by it the last few years. Um, Sean Markham, Josh Beckett, Noah Lowry, um, somebody else too. I'm, I'm blanking off the top of my head now. Chris Young, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was one. And then um, there was a Cardinals pitcher. I forget. It might've been Jaime Garcia. It might've been somebody else, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it's been certainly not commonplace, but also not unheard of. Right. And it's, um, you know, it, it's not, if that's the case, it's not great for Harvey. Um, you know, these these players, many of them have come back. Uh, Chris Carpenter and Jaime Garcia, by the way, had had this. Um, you know, but you see, you do see guys come back from this. You don't always see them come back as good as they were before they they had the surgery, which is, you know, pretty common to see a player, you know, diminish their skills after surgery. But it's, um, it's, it's scary because the Mets are, are, the Mets have two of their five starting pitchers who are dealing with bone spurs of different sizes. You know, Mats is, is bigger and more serious than Cindergaard's. 
and then you have Harvey going on the DL. It just it shows how tenuous starting pitching is and pitch and arms are in general. And uh, you know, obviously we 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 hope that Matt Harvey gets well soon for the sake of the Mets and for the sake of his career. Um, how worried are you by this potential diagnosis? Um, well, the, this is me, I guess, right? Um, I, I'll wait for the diagnosis before I react too strongly either way. Uh, I guess I'm hoping that it isn't that, you know, that it's something that is a little less serious. Um, but if it is, I hope that it's early in that process and, you know, it's something that won't keep him out for too long. Uh, you know, I think Steve Schreiber made a decent point about this on Twitter earlier today. Um, you know, replacing what Harvey has done so far isn't really that hard because he's been the fifth best pitcher on the team. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just sort of the, you know, you lose what you might think you'll you'll get out of Harvey if he turns it around or figures it out, whatever your preferred cliche is for the situation. <laughs> you know, if, if Matt Harvey is himself, he's better than anybody else who can fill in for him. So, you know, the Mets can sort of maintain what he's done so far with the fill-in. But you really like that. I, I'd love to hear that he gets there and it isn't, that and it's something else that either just needs a little bit of rest or needs you know uh all surgery is serious but needs something lower level right we saw dylan g a few years ago you deal with some some uh, clot issues and his surgery was not as serious as some of the other tos patients not that his was thoracic outlet syndrome but it was you know a similar procedure right so yeah it's um i guess i'm withholding judgment until we have a diagnosis and um i'm not saying i would like you know bet the house that he's going to be just fine but if it ends up to be something that's a little less on the serious side you know, maybe he's out for a month and we have Matt Harvey back in, you know, early August, mid-August, something like that. So, yeah, that, that that's where I am with it. Yeah. I don't disagree. You know, it's replacing 2016 Matt Harvey seems a lot less daunting than it was to replace uh, 2013 Matt Harvey. Yeah. Uh, and... We know he's still a month away, but with Zach Wheeler coming back, there's a little bit of optimism there. And to be honest, I mean, is Logan Verrett or Sean Gilmartin all that big of a drop-off from what Harvey's been so far this year? Right. I don't really think so. But hopefully this is all a moot point, and by the time you're hearing this, it's been discovered that he just, you know... He's he's okay, and it'll be a few weeks in the DL, and that, that's all there is to it. Yes, and if if not, then the next time you hear us, we'll delve into that. Yeah, we can do that. All right, thanks, Chris. All right. 
Hey everyone, Steve Schreiber here. It's time for your This Week in SNY Minute on Amazing Avenue Audio. During last Sunday's game against the uh, Cubs, Gary and Keith got on a little tangent uh, talking about what it would be like if Keith Hernandez coached a youth league sports team. You only had girls, right? You haven't had sons. No, I've so only you've had never, girls. Have you ever coached a youth league no. team? No. At any time? No. I, I just, I'd love to see you with, with the youngsters, because you're so encouraging when you're up here. Uh, you would probably would not want to see me interact with the parents. I think you'd have the gravitas to tell the parents to go home. <laughs> and or let cal- you do your Or job. calm down. Yeah. We know what I'd tell the parents. I'd say, I would call them in the beginning. I'd say, we're here to win. And we're going to win fair and square. We're not going to have everybody's going to play. You're going to have to get used to it. Your son Johnny's not that good. I'll get him in when I can. But if it's a close game, he's on the pine. Sounds to me like um, you need to be coaching travel ball <laughs> and not wreck ball. Francis <laughs> that's the catch for the second half. <laughs> You know, if little Johnny doesn't play at all, he's going to be home playing video games soon. Well, he'll get him in. I, I, I You know, we, we were talking the other day about a reality show. That would be a great reality show. What, me managing a you, team, a little league team? You coaching a, a, a youth league team. That could be, that could be gold. Gold key. Gold, that's right. That'd be the Spanish version of Walter Matthau. <laughs> I don't think you're going to... I tell you what, I would make the workouts fun. I don't think you're climbing a tree to talk Ahmed down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not in my physical condition, (laughs) no. Since I need probably a knee surgery and a hip replacement. No, I I can't see myself climbing a tree. That's right. Keith Hernandez coaching a youth league sports team. Just imagine your kid working with former major leaguer and Seinfeld star Keith Hernandez, and imagine him coming up to you and telling you that your son sucks at baseball. Look, it's Keith Hernandez. If Keith Hernandez says that your son sucks at baseball, uh, he probably sucks at baseball, so you should probably teach him how to enjoy his time on the bench. So Gary really wants Keith to turn this into a reality show. Um, and so from our viewpoint here at Twisney, uh, we are 100% behind this. Uh, we think this would be an incredible uh, ratings boon to SNY, uh, and uh, we, we would be happy to uh, review it when, whenever this is on uh, for, for an episode of Twisney. So hopefully SNY gets on top of this and makes Keith the Spanish Walter Matthau. So that's all we've got today for your This Week in SNY Minute. Thanks for listening. My name is Steve Schreiber. And now back to Amazing Avenue Audio. Hi, this is Aaron York again for Amazing Avenue Audio. And let's get started right away because there's so many things that just happened to the Mets. There's a lot of news going on. The Mets call up Jose Reyes. This week, they do not demote 
Alejandro de Aza. Instead, they send Matt Reynolds, who wouldn't get a lot of playing time if Reyes and him were on the same team. At the same time, they send him down to the minor leagues instead of DFAing Alejandro de Aza. If they did that, they would have a, there was a chance they would lose Alejandro de Aza, but Matt Reynolds has options, so they send him down to AAA Las Vegas instead. And then we're just hearing tonight, as I'm recording this on a Wednesday night, that Matt Harvey has gone on the disabled list with a shoulder injury. That really, really stinks. But maybe this is good in the long run for Harvey, excuse me, because he was not pitching very well. His latest start was during, uh, or he got pulled early because of the rain. was not very successful. Before that, he was pitching okay, but his strikeout rate has been down. There were a couple starts over the course of the season in May and early June where it seemed like he was getting back on track to becoming a dominant pitcher, but he has not looked good lately. Well, there was one start that happened since the rainout start, and that was against the Cubs when the Mets fell behind, but then they came back. That was a really fun game on Sunday. Or it was Sunday, right? The point is, Matt Harvey could not put hitters away. He did strike out Giancarlo Stanton. It looked like a couple times he was using his slider, but with the way Stanton strikes out, although you wouldn't know it from the way he hit the Mets recently. So this was Monday's game I'm talking about because it was against the Marlins. They came from behind. They were down 6 nothing. The Mets won 8-6. It was awesome. And the only bad part was that Matt Harvey wasn't very good. Now he's on the disabled list. The Mets called up Seth Lugo, who has two innings now pitched in his Mets career because his previous call-up, which lasted a couple days, he ended up in mop-up duty during one of those blowout wins over the Cubs. So it's probably Logan Verrett, who has been up and down. He's had some... Decent starts. He's had some couple terrible ones. But you could stay the same for Matt Harvey. The Mets just didn't know what they were going to get week after week. There was that stretch where it looked like he was coming back, and then it sort of faded away, and now it looks like he's going on the disabled list maybe for a long period of time. Maybe the Mets can figure out, or the Mets medical staff can figure out a way to fix him and get him his arm pitching Better Because remember earlier this season when he was struggling, he said he didn't really know what it was. It was this mystery ailment that was holding him back from striking out a lot of batters, and he was allowing a lot of hard contact. And you saw that against the Marlins on Monday. They were hitting him pretty hard, and he wasn't able to miss that many bats. I remember he struck out Derek Dietrich on fastballs. And then Chris Johnson would get a base hit. That's the type of hitter Chris Johnson, besides that magical year in Atlanta he had two or three years ago, he's been the kind of guy that you've got to be able to get out consistently. And Harvey just was not able to put hitters away on Monday. Maybe he's just not throwing his breaking ball as effectively or as confidently as he used to. He's thrown too many fastballs to try to put away hitters. 
And maybe that's due to this shoulder injury he has. But hopefully Matt Harvey gets better. That's the best that Mets fans can hope for as they're already dealing with bone spurs with Steven Matz and Noah Syndergaard. So if Harvey's on the disabled list for a long period of time, you hope those other two guys can continue to pitch well as Jacob deGrom and Bartolo Colon have both been awesome lately. That's the good news. And there's no health issues about them, knock on wood. So I thought I was going to talk more about Jose Reyes and Matt Reynolds and Alejandro Diazza. It was good to see Diazza hit a home run the other night. He deserves to stay with the team. Well, I don't know if deserves is the right word, but because he doesn't have options, he should stay with the team because now the Mets get to keep more players because when you're demoting Matt Reynolds, you still get to hold on to him. So you hold on to both guys instead of only holding on to one because Diazza probably gets picked up by someone. He's only had around 100 at-bats this year. And yeah, he's been really bad. But in previous years, this guy has a track record of being a decent fourth outfielder. And that's why he was kept over Matt Reynolds with the way the Mets are going to play Reyes a lot. They obviously should play Flores a lot with the way he's been hitting home runs lately. He has two two home run games this past week. That's a really good sign. And then you want to get Reyes in the lineup, who hit a couple of doubles in today's win over the Marlins. It doesn't leave a lot of playing time for Matt Reynolds, who is still kind of young. He's still developing. He's probably 25 or 26 right now, and you could still develop him. But Diaz is a veteran. You don't need to get him playing time. You can keep him on the bench just in case. Based on his track record, he's just a good guy to have around. He's not a guy who's going to hit 150 or whatever he's hitting. He's got a little pop. He can run a little bit, play some defense. Even though he hasn't been good, he's still a fourth outfielder that's good to have. And that's why the Mets made the right move when they called up Jose Reyes. They sent down Matt Reynolds, and they keep the eyes on the roster. Fans will learn to love him. It's going to happen. So that's all I have time I have for tonight. We're worried about Matt Harvey. We're happy that Alejandro Diaz is still on the team. And hopefully the Mets can pull through with some wins against the Nationals before the All-Star break and then get healthy after that. This has been Aaron York for Amazing Avenue Audio. Christy Ackert covers the Mets for the New York Daily News and is one of the best at her job. I always enjoy Christy's articles. I find them to be among the most informative of any of the beat writers. So good job, Christy. She spoke with Chris McShane about her career, the Mets, and more yesterday. You can follow her on Twitter at Ackert underscore N-Y-D-N. Joining us this week on Amazing Avenue Audio is Christy Ackert from the New York Daily News. Uh, She covers the Mets on a on a daily basis and uh we're happy to have her on christy thanks for coming on happy to be here so i guess we'll start with the reception that jose reyes got i think you know you you had written about it yesterday um yeah he, he comes back he sort of gets 
a, a very warm reception for me personally. I didn't really want to be in the ballpark for that. Um, mm-hmm. So what was your takeaway coming out of that? Uh, you know, you, you saw him in his first and second games back. You know, how did, how did that feel being there in person? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I, you know, I wrote yesterday that I just, you know, I think everybody, I think everybody deserves a second chance, but I think like Sandy Alderson said, you deserve a second chance with conditions. And I, I, I think what bothered me a little bit about it was it was too much like a do-over. Like we were just picking up from 2011, you know, there was the chance of Jose, 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 and, you know, standing ovation. I mean, let's realize why he's here, really. You know, he the domestic violence incident is really how he ended up back with Matt. I believe he deserves a second chance. I hope he makes the most of it. I really do. But for the first minute there, it kind of made me uncomfortable. Um, you know, I don't want to be involved in his personal life. You know, it, it, we all had to be part of it because of what happened in Hawaii, him getting arrested and stuff. Um, it just was an uncomfortable moment for me personally. Yeah. And I think, I think for a a fairly significant segment of Mets fans, it it is, you know, it's the same way where it's just this, you know, you don't, you don't think that the guy should necessarily be banned from ever playing baseball again, but it's just, uh, you know, he, he was in a spot where he comes back you know, it, it wasn't like there were 29 other teams competing to sign him. He was sort of put in a spot where he just really wanted to come back to the Mets because they might take him back. So it's, yeah, it, it it's an awkward situation. And then even for me, even watching him, you know, he, his first game didn't go well in terms of performance, but he did, you know, he hit a couple doubles in the second game and all that. And, you're just put in this spot where you want him you want him to be a good person for me more than you care about what he's doing as a player but you you're also still like rooting for the team so it's it, it, i don't know it's a very awkward spot i think and i, I don't know i think a lot i think a lot of people feel that way i mean i, I think you know a lot of people are torn yeah, and I don't know if it's something that's going to get more comfortable as time passes, where it's just you, you sort of get used to him being here. But, yeah, right now it just feels like a very conflicted uh, situation. Absolutely. But uh, on on the bright side, the the last week has gone better. For the Mets, you know, with, without Reyes for most of it, and then with him for the last couple of days, they've, you know, sort of revived the season that looked like it wasn't going so well. Um, you know, what what sort of feeling are you getting coming out of the clubhouse right now? You know, are, does does it seem significantly different than it did a week ago? Yeah, much different. There's a much more confident vibe in the clubhouse. Um, much looser. Um, you know, when you're winning, things are a lot happier in the clubhouse. There's a lot more players around, a lot more loose. Um, so you definitely got that vibe the last few days. Um, I think it, I think Tuesday was, I think a lot of people were on edge because of the Reyes stuff. 
Um, today, things were a lot lighter and brighter when we left. Yeah, it's, I mean, that that's understandable. You know, even as seasoned as these guys are with all sorts of weird situations that, that come up and, you know, this one is very unique and kind of rises above any of the, the routine ups and downs. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things that, you know, we hear so much about how, how well a clubhouse is functioning when the team is doing well. Yeah, this is a good clubhouse. They have some guys there that um, they have some veterans in there that do that. So it's a clubhouse, even when they're going through tough times. But you can definitely tell the difference when things are going well. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, w- one of the recent additions was Brandon Nemo, and you had, you had written a little bit about him as well and sort of the way that he was told that he was coming up from AAA to make his major league debut. You know, Wally Backman sort of sets him up a little bit to make him think he's just getting bumped from the team flight, and then he, you know, he, he finds out that he's actually flying somewhere completely different, and it's to make his major league debut. Um you know, I know we've talked a little bit over the last few years about some of the guys who really do seem like good guys, and Nimmo seems like he's he's right up there. Um, you know, have, what's what he 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 hasn't looked ha- nobody's looked happier than him. I guess is the best way of putting it. Uh, yeah, he be- seems to genuinely be enjoying himself. He um, he has an oh gosh, oh shucks kind of are about him and he it seems very genuine with him he's you know working very hard he doesn't seem to be taking any of this for granted and you know he seems to be enjoying himself too which i think does rub off on veterans sometimes they forget that you know they're playing in the major leagues this is a dream come true and they see a kid come up and make that debut and go through things like that with him like he did and i think that gives them another a little you know, a little kick, a little breath, fresh air, maybe a little energy. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's easy to see how somebody could get jaded a little bit. You know, once once they've gotten to a spot where they've just been there for a long time, you know, some some guys express it more on the field, and and some don't. But uh, you know, the, it, it's not often that you see a guy who who just seems to be that happy to be playing baseball <laughs> yeah he always has a smile on his face um <clears throat> and one of the other guys who sort of has that reputation and certainly endeared himself to Mets fans is is Wilmer Flores uh you know should we be buying what he's done recently you know he certainly he had the six eight game hit a couple home runs in that hit a couple more home runs today you know, do you think he solidifies his his hold on third base, or are we going to be in this sort of awkward who's playing? You know, is it Reyes? Is it him? Kind of situation for the next little while. Um, I think there's that already that awkward situation going on. Um, you know, they they brought Jose Reyes here for a reason with a plan, and the plan is to play him at third base mostly. Uh, Wilmer has kind of thrown a little wrench into that plan uh, with his recent output, but they're going to stick with their plan. Now, 
Wilmer, I have always been told by particularly one scout that I trust very much that this kid's going to hit. Um, if he can, if he plays consistently, he will hit. And that's what we saw once he came back from the disabled list and took David's spot. He, he was hitting like 313, you know, or hitting 313 since, you know, David went on the DL. So, you know, I think you can believe what you've seen him do. I think he has the talent. I think he's a streaky hitter. And I think, you know, he's not, he is what he is. But I think you can believe what you've seen from him. Now, that creates a, a, an awkward situation. And, you know, we asked Kerry Collins about that today. How do you keep them both in the lineup? And he's like, I don't know. How do I, you know, Ray is brought here for a reason. He's going to get every opportunity to play. And that's going to force Wilmer Flores back into that utility role, which he just really wasn't very good at. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting situation with him where, you know, you, you, I think one of the very fascinating things with baseball is trying to pinpoint what makes things work for either a team or a player and what doesn't. And, you know, I, I don't want to put too much stock into it, but it does seem like when Flores gets the opportunity to play and, you know, in, on a regular basis, that it helps him. Yeah, absolutely. And now you have to decide if, you know, risking that, you know, Terry said today, oh, well, well, whichever one fits, we're going to have a hot bat on the bench. Well, not necessarily, because when Wilmer has sat, his bench or his bat has cooled off. So, you know, do you risk that by sitting him? I, I think Terry personally wants to get him in there as much as possible, um, but it's it's going to be work for him to do, definitely. Yeah. And you don't never know how that's going to affect the chemistry of a team. Yeah, yeah, the timing of it all is is definitely uh, it, it. It was a little, a little unexpected, you know. We knew Reyes was coming back, but things had been going so well, and now you know, there's this whole new dynamic to deal with, um, you know. And, and most of the players aren't affected by it in terms of of themselves. You know, most of them have their roles that are unchanged, but it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It definitely will be. So uh, <clears throat> shifting gears just a little bit, uh, you, you've been covering this team for the past few years. Um, you know, what What are what are some of your favorite and least favorite things in terms of covering baseball on a regular basis? <laughs> um, I like seeing a story develop over a year. I mean, we spend a lot of time. There's no other sport where you, you have as many games or you spend as much time with, you know, the team and the players. So I like that you can watch things develop on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And I like that. Um, the travel can be fun, but it can also be hard. Six weeks away from your family for spring training is a little difficult. Um, but all in all, it's not a bad job fun it's interesting it's uh you have days like today where you never know what's gonna happen yeah today today was sort of an interesting it, it, there there was no shortage of things to talk and write about it at the end of the day no with uh the Reyes and Flores thing going on there was that Jacob DeGrom pitched and then 
right after we got out of the clubhouse, uh, the news on Matt Harvey came down and everything kind of blew apart. Yeah. Yeah, I think the 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 interaction between Terry Collins and and those of you who are in the room with him in the post game every day has sort of been a little more uh, from an outside perspective a little more entertaining, you know, <laughs> because he he drops the Syndergaard thing at the last second and bolts, you know, the Harvey thing doesn't come up today. Uh, and then comes out shortly thereafter, and you know, I, I yeah. like from an out, from our perspective, it doesn't seem like he's like he's difficult to deal with for those of you who who talk to him every day. But it's been a little bit like we haven't seen that from him so much over the last few years. And then there's just sort of this <clears throat> interesting game that he's, you know, he he doesn't seem to want to divulge injury information i don't think any manager wants to divulge injury information and for the record i think he probably divulges more than most um you know when you've got seven beat writers nine beat writers around you every day things get out and you know i think they would like to manage those things a little bit better and i think he gets frustrated with it i think the cinder guard thing I, I think he didn't understand why he had to announce it. He thought that perhaps the team would just send out a release or something. Right. Um, but at the time, what happened was we were going to walk in the clubhouse and see Syndergaard wasn't there, so they wanted to get it out quicker. It was a miscommunication. It, it blew up in his face. Today, I'm not sure. He looked so shell-shocked when he came off the, the podium thing. I'm not sure if he knew or if he was digesting it or what. Um, <clears throat> we were in the clubhouse, and Harvey came in very late because we had to wait for Reyes. And he huddled with the PR head of PR, Jay Horowitz, for a minute or two, and we all left. And then the press release came out. So I'm not sure when they actually got the diagnosis or or what happened there. but. You know, every time there's one of these injuries, that's a blow. And I think Terry takes it very personally. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that, that's understandable. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, sort of the, I think the biggest primary function of, of being a manager is keeping things sort of even keeled, you know, through the ups and downs over the course of a very long season. Um and and that's understandably uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he generally does a very good job. I think this year he's been a little more tightly wound, I guess would be the word, than usual. But I, I think for the most part, I I have no complaints in dealing with him. All right. Well, that that's, uh, that's certainly good to hear. Uh, I think... I think that about wraps us up, but you know, for our listeners, you can find Christy on Twitter at Ackert underscore NYDN, uh, and you can find her work in the Daily News um, on, a, on an everyday basis. And uh, thanks again for coming on, Christy. Thanks for having me, Chris. I enjoyed it. All right.
Really guys, in all seriousness, we have to get me off this podcast because every single Wednesday I have bad news. I was all prepared once again to come in, talk about sweeping the Cubs, took two of three from the Marlins. It was great, everyone was hitting except for that weird fluke Tuesday night. And as I am sitting here, turning on my microphone, Matt Harvey goes on the DL, 15-day DL, shoulder soreness. He is going to see, I'm just, I'm literally reading off Twitter right now, Dr. Thompson in St. Louis, who is a vascular surgeon specializing in thoracic outlet syndrome. I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend I know what that means. It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound like something you come back from in 15 days. Although, with the All-Star break, I mean, he misses Saturday's start. He could shuffle post-All-Star break, and that could just be one start. If this isn't actually a thing, I don't know. I'm assuming it's going to be a thing because it's the Mets. Seth Lugo is coming up. Might be making the start on Saturday. Might just be bullpen depth. I don't know. Our old friend Jeffrey Pratternoster is really excited because he thinks it's going to be a Gabrielle Yanoa start. I can't imagine it will be. But... We all, we've all assumed something was mad, something was wrong with Matt Harvey this year because I don't think any of us wanted to imagine that he just wasn't good anymore because he hasn't been good this year. It's been, it's not been pretty. He had like those three starts in the middle that were acceptable, but only marginally, but it hasn't been good. He hasn't been Matt Harvey. So I guess theoretically we can hope that this is something wrong and fixable and he comes back healthy and good again. I don't know, but all I know is that I'm going to stop recording podcast hits at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon because this is the Mets' Friday 5 p.m. news dump, it appears. So good luck, everybody, and let's hope this is just something short and easy. folks that does it for another installment of amazing avenue audio thank you for joining us this week we hope to see you again soon reminder you can always email the show at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com you can also find the site amazingavenue.com on your computer tablet smartphone whatever connected device you're using to get on the interwebs we have lots of amazing content there please check out the site and all the wonderful writers who write for it Speaking of wonderful people, you can follow all of my fellow contributors on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Chris is at Chris McShane. Aaron is at APY5000. Steve is at underscore Mr. Met. And Kate is at Kate E. Feldman. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcatcher of choice. So, until next time, let's go Mets. <laughs>